Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. Now, I promise you I won't take long. Said every preacher on the planet. But it's Father's Day. I deserve a day off. So I'm going to make this quick. Um, But don't mistake the timing of this message for the power, the practicality, and the pertinence of this message. Last week, my beautiful wife got up here in my stead and preached a powerful message on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Can we give it up for Pastor Joanne? Best preacher in the house. It's easy. Hard act to follow. Um, And I'm so thankful because my wife is a woman of many gifts and many talents. And I want to keep encouraging her in the one gifting that I know that Christ has called out of her in this season. And it's a gift to communicate the love of the gospel in a practical way that is palatable for the believer and non-believer. You have a gift to exhort God's word, and I'm proud of you. I love you. Thank you, baby girl. She's a hard act to follow, but I don't got to worry about it because when the word goes forth, it never returns void. Amen? So she talked about the the gifts of the spirit. I'm going to talk about something different because in this series called Breathe, we said the Holy Spirit should be as natural as breathing to you. Holy Spirit doesn't got to be weird. It's something that God gave us that literally we need to have a rhythm with that should be just like breathing. I love the Bible because it says to stay in step with the Spirit. It tells you to stay in step because there's a rhythm to it. Getting in the Spirit doesn't mean you're doing backflips down the aisle, man. That might be a way that somebody wants to express it. And I'm not here to knock the ways that people express the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. But the truth of the matter, it should be as simple as the way that you breathe. And I love the Spirit because the Spirit comes with many things. It comes with gifts and it comes with fruits. So last week, my wife talked about the gifts, but today I want to talk about the fruit. If you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 18 through 23. Galatians 5, 18 through 23. If you're online, I welcome you. Man, you can pull up and maybe you don't have your Bible here or online. You can grab your phone, pull up the Cool Church app. We already got a few thousand people working it. All the notes for everything that I'm going to say are going to be on there. So come and fill in the blank. So if you don't want to spend your time writing, that stuff is there. If you're old school and you got a notebook, you can flip out your desk right now. This is a school auditorium and you can begin to take notes that way because the Bible says in Jedediah 57.5 that those that take notes shall get to heaven. If you believe that, I got more work to do than I thought. Galatians 5, 18 through 23 read, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's a great place to say amen. The acts of the flesh are obvious, the Bible says. 
sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, it's the Apostle Paul talking, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Seems pretty clear. Any questions? Verse 22. But, I love that because it's always a message of hope. This is not a message that is meant to discourage you. It's a message to encourage you and to give you hope. Amen? Verse 22. But, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or in other words, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If you believe that, that's a good place to say amen. If you're taking notes on this message, last week, the title was The Gift. This week, the title is The Fruit. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you for each and every person that came here, God. You knew before the world began to spin on this axis who would be here, but God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. I know it's Father's Day, and this is a Father's Day message, but I pray that they know that the fruit aren't just for fathers. The fruit is for everyone. And I also pray that they know that just like the fruit is for everyone, so is Jesus. You love all of us, and you just want all of us to love you back. So I pray you introduce yourself. Reveal yourself. God, show yourself to somebody that needs to know you. I pray for the one that needs to hear this word the most. In Jesus' name. And everyone set. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on in this place. So, so we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and all it offers. How many of y'all have been learning something in this Holy Spirit series called Breathe? This is, a, this is Father's Day, so I, I know I got to have kind of a Father's Day message, but um, the fruit of the Spirit really speaks um, not just to fathers, it speaks to everyone, but it really should speak to the character of a father. I love the fruit of the Spirit, and I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, in essence, is a gift to all of us. You can't preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus and not include the Holy Spirit. The gospel is not just Jesus came and died. It's Jesus came, he dies for us but he rises again. That's not even the entire gospel. The rest of it is, when he rises again, God the Father sends the Holy Spirit to empower us and live in us so that we can walk around and remember what Jesus told us. Your Holy Spirit works like your conscience. It reminds you the right thing to do, and it fills you, and it empowers you to be able to do it. 
But that's not even the whole gospel because the last part of the gospel is the best part of the gospel. It's not that Jesus came, died, left, and sent the Holy Spirit. It's that he came, he died, he left, he sent the Holy Spirit, but he's coming back. That's the fullness of the gospel. But until he comes back, I'm not going to wait around and live my life like, oh, Jesus, I need you to come back because I can't take it one more day here. No! We have the Holy Spirit so we can live an empowered life until he comes back. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And yes, we have gifts that empower us to do amazing things. And I know my wife encouraged you to take your spiritual gifts test and tell each other what your gifts are and start operating and exercising the gift. And all of that is great. But it's not just about the gifts of the Spirit. It's also about the fruit of the Spirit. What's the difference between the gift and the fruit? Well, if I say that um, we are created or we create out of love, that's what cool stands for. Creativity, that may be the gift, but love is how we use it. Love is the character that we are taking on to use our creativity properly. Now here's what I want to tell you about the fruits and the gifts. Without the fruit or without proper character, you will never use your gifts properly. That went over somebody's head. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how gifted you are. Without the right character, you will never use your gifts properly. So what does that have to do with where you're trying to go today, Pastor? I've seen people in church often because we're always looking for people that want to use their gifts in God's house. And if I can be honest, over the years of doing this, I'm 17 years in now, I've seen resistance to some people using their gifts in God's house. And the truth is, I know people that do not use their gifts in church because the character that they've displayed makes them feel guilty about using their gifts in church. I can't get up there and sing. You know what I did last night? Nah, nah, nah. They don't want me on a host moment, man. Nah, nah, nah. I drank a little too much last night. No, nah, they don't want me on the greeters. They don't want me on the parking lot. They don't want me in culture, man, because let me tell you something. I ain't ready yet. I'm still wilding out a little bit. I ain't as nice as the rest of them Christian folks yet. I can't do what they do because if I could be honest with myself this morning, Pastor, I can't do what they do because I don't yet act the way that they act. Well, how they act? How you know? Like, like, like there's this chasm that people create between what God has called them to do and what they are currently doing. And people, because of their own character and things that they have done, disqualify themselves from using a God-given gift or talent because they don't want to be a hypocrite. Like if I get up there and do that and they find out what I'm doing, oh, Lord Jesus. What if they catch me being me when I was up there trying to be somebody else? 
So many people don't serve because they feel that the character that they've displayed, it makes them feel guilty. The truth is, your gifts were not designed to make your, you feel guilty. The law was designed to make you feel guilty. That's what it's for. The law makes you feel guilty. That's why you need the spirit because the law is quick to point the finger when you do something wrong. The law is actually supposed to show you how much you actually need Jesus. Like, I look at the law and I read the law, I'm like, Lord, I am so far away, but that means I just need him so much more. The law should show you, it should point out, it should accuse you, it should help you understand how messed up we all truly are and my hand is raised because when I talk to you, I'm talking to myself. The law should reveal to you how much you need Jesus. But I can't fully rely on the law because if I fully rely on the law, then all I ever feel is guilty. And if I feel guilt, then you know what comes with guilt? Shame. And if I feel guilt and shame, then soon to follow is depression, condemnation. These things that Christ does not put on us. So therefore, he does not call us to live by the law. He calls us to live by the spirit. I love the spirit because, man, the law has gotten it wrong so many times. How many people are locked up right now for things that they didn't do because the law pointed the finger at them and it wasn't even them? That's what the law does. The law looks for someone to blame. Whether it catches the right person or not, it just wants to put somebody away. The law wants to kill. The law wants to steal. The law wants to, the law wants to stop you. But grace wants to start you. Wants to start you on the right track. With Jesus, we need the fruit of the Spirit. Because the law only wants to prove you wrong. And the law has gotten it wrong so many times that I don't want to live by the law. I want to live above it. I want to live above the law because where the flesh requires law, the spirit lives above it. That's why Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. Live by the spirit. So here's what I'm saying. If you want to live at the level of the law, you can, but then you have to associate yourself with everything that the law was designed to govern. Live at the level of the law if you want to, but then you have to associate yourself with everything that the law was designed to govern. You say, what was the law designed to govern? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I already read it to you, and I'm going to tell you the things that it says in it. I don't want to live by the law because I don't want to be associated with sexual immorality. I don't want to be associated with impurity. I don't want to be associated with debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and dissension and factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I don't want my name to be mentioned in the same sentence with any of those. But the law wants to point the finger at me and catch me doing those things. I don't want to live in that place. Why? Because none of those things I mentioned are fruitful. They all end in death. Every last one of them. 
as innocent as you may think one of those things is, they all take the same path. For the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23 that the, the wages of sin is death. It does not put levels on the sin. The wages of sin is death. The price for disobeying the law is death. Because I am a man, because I am in flesh and blood, because I am not just a spirit, I am flesh. There's only one proper verdict for my flesh. You know what the verdict for all of our flesh is? Guilty. Guilty. For all of sin. All of sin. Like if you come in here today with your piety and your church hat and your tin, tin button suit, no shade, but if you think you got it all together, you don't. All have sinned. The flesh only has one verdict that it will submit to, and it is a guilty verdict. We all deserve the verdict of guilty. So the reason, I'm not going to say you, I'm going to talk about me. The reason I feel guilty today is because I am. You feel better when it's the pastor saying it, right? The reason you walk around every day, you're like, God, I tried, but I just feel so guilty. It's because you are. We all are. None of us can escape that on our own. For all have sinned, and so many people don't operate in their gifts of the spirit because of the guilt of the flesh. But don't base who you are on your flesh based who you are in your spirit. This is why you need the Holy Spirit because here's the truth. You cannot use God's gifts properly without God's character. You can't just have the gifts of the spirit. There's so many gifted and talented people here, but you don't ever really use your gifts to the full potential because you're trying to use your God-given gifts without operating them with God's character. You can't use God's gifts without God's character. This is why 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 tells us, listen to this, because people take this verse and they use it for all types of stuff, but it's trying to point, point out something, that if I speak in tongues, that's a spiritual gift, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, you hear what it said? Speaking in tongues, what is it? A gift. What is love? A fruit. It's character. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you're trying to speak in spiritual gifts and you have no love, you're speaking nonsense. You're just making noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but, have but do not have love, I am nothing. I'm nothing. People think this is about love. No, it's about God's character and how to use God's gifts properly. I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, look at me, I'm a good giver. And I give over my body to hardships that I may boast. 
but do not have love, I gain nothing. The gifts minus the character equals nothing. There's a biblical equation for you. The gifts minus the character equals nothing. You can't have gifts without character because your gifts will lack purpose and effectiveness without character. You need the character. And I've always said this, because there's people that get to the upper echelon of society, they excel in life, and then one day, because they're, they're gifted, they get to the top, but one day, you see them crash down. I've seen it happen with pastors. I've seen it happen with friends of mine. The world loves them because they have a gift. But their gifting took them to a place their character couldn't keep them. Don't ever let your gifts in life take you to a place that your character cannot keep you. You better stay in your face before God. You better fall on your knees. The higher you go, the lower you must get. You have to, because people want to put you on a pedestal because of the things you can do. But what you know is you can't do any of them without God. If you start drinking your own Kool-Aid, man, oh my gosh, you're going to begin to believe that you are responsible for things that God was doing through you by his spirit. Don't let your gifts take you to a place your character cannot keep you. On this beautiful Father's Day, man, shout out to you, Dad. Because here's one thing I know about him. My dad, he would get promotion after promotion on his job. And I used to watch him. I'm like, I'm a kid. I didn't fully even understand what he did for work. He told me he was a pipeliner, and I believe it's like uh, sending fuel like underground to, to ships and all. I, I still don't even understand it. But he made sure that fuel got where it got, had to go. And he would even tell me stories like when I was younger because my dad, he, he's like, a, you know how like, like superheroes wear the same uniform? So he was a superhero. His uniform was a white t-shirt, tight blue jeans, and cowboy boots. He used to wear that on the job every day. And I'm like, why is this black man wearing cowboy boots every day? And he told me he learned from one of his buddies because where the pipes are buried, usually it's swampy uh, land, so they would wear cowboy boots so the snakes would not bite them. I didn't learn that until I was older. But... My dad got up every day, he went to work, he came home, he got up again, he put on his clothes, he went to work. He came home, he got up again, he put on his clothes, he went to work. And here's the truth about my dad, he's super gifted. My dad could cook with the best of them. You ain't never had jerk pork like my father's jerk pork. We call him jerk daddy. For real. My dad can sew. I didn't even realize for the longest time, like I had this love for fashion, my dad can sew. Like he used to make clothes when he was younger. My dad could fix anything. Like cars. I'm, I, like, it's something about island men, like anything break, they gonna figure out a way to fix it. I'll never forget, my dad had a boat when we were younger. He used to take me out on the boat. We used to like go through the little canals and stuff. And one time, 
One time, the boat, the, the, the belt on the, on the engine, it broke. This man took his own belt. He wrapped that. He said, we ain't getting stuck here, Terry. I tell you, he take over his belt. like Indiana G. He took that belt off. He wrapped that thing around. He started the engine up. We kept on going with his own belt. I thought we were dead. That took off his belt. Island man could do anything. Could fix anything, man. It's smart, got wisdom. He know about all politics stuff. All stuff I don't even know about. He done travel the world. Like he's like, oh, in this part of the country they do this, this cousin. I'm like, how you know all this stuff, man? Super gifted. But you know that's not why he ever got promotions. You know why he got promotions? He went to work every day. And here, here's a revelation for the person that believes they need to be an entrepreneur because they think everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Truth is, everybody can't be an entrepreneur because if everybody was leading, then no one would be following and nothing would actually get done. He got a promotion because he was there and he did his job. I can't stand this job. They can't stand you because you don't do it. What a thought, just going to work and doing your job. He did it every day. And he would get promotion after promotion. He was in his company for 20 plus years, man. He, left, he retired. He ain't got to work no more, man. He did what he had to do. Did he get promoted for his gifts? I'm sure somewhere along the way they saw the gifts in him and they knew the gifts in him. But he would go, he would listen, he would learn on his job every day. As his job began to change and it wasn't so physical anymore and everything started to be on computers, he would go and he would learn it. He would learn everything that he had to learn. And his boss kept promoting him because he showed up and he had the character. He had integrity. He came early. He stayed late. See, character is not the fancy things that everybody sees. Character is the things that you do consistently that people act like ain't important, but they're actually the most important thing. Sometimes showing up is enough. Thank you for your integrity because those are lessons that I still carry with me to this day. I honor you, Dad, today. Thank you. Dads, your character matters because your children are watching. Do you display godly character when you speak to the mother of your children? How do you talk to her? Do you display godly character by getting up and going to work every day to show them that nothing in this life is free? Do you display godly character by actually like, hey, y'all get up. We're going to be in church, and we ain't going to roll in at the third worship song. We're getting there early. We need to get in Jesus' presence early. Do you show them how to be early? That, do you show them that to be early is to be on time, and to be on time is to be late, and to be late is to be left behind? It's a character piece, man. I don't care how talented you are. It means nothing without character. We have to talk about the fruit of the Spirit today in the context of the gift of the Spirit because you need the fruit to use the gifts properly. And I'm going to go through these really quick because the fruit of the Spirit gives you the confidence to use your gifts freely. You don't have to walk around in shame or guilt hiding your gifts because you feel guilty. When you operate in the fruits of the Spirit, you can use your gifts freely. Freely. So the fruit of the Spirit 
we're talking about it today, you have to understand, if you want to live in true freedom, if you want to live above the law, the life of a Christian is not about rules and regulation. That's religion. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. But Galatians 5.1 says, for it is for freedom, I said it earlier, that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You are only subject to the law when you break the law. So if you don't break the law, then the law cannot judge you. If you want to live above the law, you cannot break the law. You have to operate on a higher plane. If you have good character, you never have to. Like, I don't live my life wondering if I'm going to break a rule because I don't live in a way that needs to be regulated by rules. <laughs> I live above the law. Except for when I'm driving. <laughs> then I'm kind of worried. Like, oh, they're behind me. But, like, I never worried about, like, oh, you're going to go to jail for stealing. I, I never stole anything in my life. Like, for what? Like, I work. I'll buy it. Like, like you have to live above the law because you, if you live at the level of the law, then the law can judge. You will be subject to it if you break it. Because here's the beautiful thing about the fruit or the character, is another way to say it, of the spirit. There is no, it says, I, I, I love this, there is, no, there is no law against love. Find one. You won't. There is no law against joy. There's no law against peace, no law against patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against those. I need the fruits of the Spirit because it's the only thing I can live my life by that I will not be judged by. Why? Galatians 5.22, against such things there is no law. So if I live by the Spirit, I cannot be judged by the law. I cannot. So I need the fruits of the Spirit. There's no laws against God's love. And I love it because even the order of the fruit matters. Like, I love love. Love had to be the first because love is the great initiator. Love motivates all things. You have never been motivated in your life until you've been motivated by love. The I'm a sucker for love. The things I do for love. This woman here has gotten me to do the craziest things because I love her. I'll never forget before we got married, I jumped in my truck and I drove 23 hours by myself to Stanford, Connecticut. I loaded up all her stuff. I got that woman. I said, girl, you better sit in the passenger seat because I'm about to drive you back another 23 hours because we about to live in South Florida happily ever after. I ain't need no co-pilot. I wasn't worried about nothing. I ain't take no breaks. Love kept me going down I-95 when I wanted to fall asleep. Love kept my eyes open. I was just playing love songs the whole way because I just couldn't wait to see my baby again love kept me on that road girl and love still keeps me on that road today love is the thing that's got me always trying to impress you love's got me losing my cool every time I come around you girl because I love you there is nothing I won't do for you say pastor you crazy 
My love for her may be crazy, but how crazy, if my love is that crazy, then you can't really imagine how crazy God's love is because God loved you so much, he sent his one son for you to die for you because he loved you. Now listen, I love people, but I'm not going to send the ones that I love to die for them because I love them, but this is why I am not God. But God loved you so much, he sent the best of himself. Because love is the great initiator. It must be first. You see, love may drive you to do things, but I love the next one. Joy is going to give you the strength to do them. That's why Nehemiah 8.10 says, For it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. I don't know about you. I'm a creative by nature, but like when I'm sad, I cannot create. Like when I'm, when I'm like a mess, when I'm in my feelings, when, you know, when I'm hurt, it's hard for me to be effective. There's something about joy, like sadness and depression blocks you from living out your calling. There's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. It's, it's on one of the greatest fighters to ever step in the ring. His name's Mike Tyson. And no matter what you believe about Mike Tyson, no matter what you're seeing in the news, Mike Tyson is 150 years old. I will not fight him today still. <laughs> One punch from Mike Tyson will kill you instantly. Try him on an airplane if you want to. <laughs> but there's a documentary on Tyson called Tyson. And Mike, at the peak of his career, you see him. He's living lavish. He's smiling. Like, he just, he's, he's excited. And, and they asked Mike, they was like, man, what's your motivation when you get in the ring? Like, man, Mike, you were a killer, man. Like, you used to strike terror into the hearts of anybody that would step into the ring with you. He said, let me tell you my secret. He said, what is it? He says, I was happy. He says, a happy fighter is the most dangerous fighter in the entire world. When you start to see Mike slip, what he reveals in that documentary is what was going on in the background of his life. There was court cases. There was divorce. One of his, his trainer had just died. And it messed him up so much mentally that he didn't go in the ring with joy anymore. He went in the ring with a sadness. He went in the ring with a weight. And you will begin to see him slipping in his gifting because he wasn't operating in his gift from a place of joy. He was operating in his gift from a place of sadness. This... That's why joy is so amazing. Because joy doesn't give you just strength. Joy makes you dangerous to the enemy. The enemy just wants to keep you sad because when the enemy keeps you sad, then you are not effective. You will not harm him. You cannot do anything to him. But when you know you got a joy of the Lord that is your strength, the enemy cannot harm you. He is terrified of you. Why he got so much joy? Why is he so happy? Because I know what Jesus saved me from, devil, and you can't take it away from me. So I'm going to use all the joy that I got to develop and muster all the strength that I got so that my very prayers and my actions and my life could shake the gates of hell because I ain't scared of you because I got a joy inside of me that makes me strong. You need joy. Most dangerous fighter is a happy fighter. But then there's peace. And I realize when I have joy, there's a peace I feel about every situation. You see how they flow? Yeah. When I got joy, man, I'm at peace. 
<laughs> like, we serve the God that exemplifies peace. If you look in, in Matthew chapter 8, around verses 23 through 27, let me show you how much Jesus exemplifies peace. And I use the example as we were talking to these beautiful parents and babies up here. When the baby was sleeping, what did I say? I said she has a spirit of peace. You know where she gets that from? Jesus. Jesus doing the middle of the storm. In the words of Steph Curry, night, night, Celtics. I'm not a Celtics fan. I hope you know. I loathe them. When the storm is going on, the disciples are in chaos. Their world is upside down. They think they're going to die. But instead of looking at peace in their boat, they want to look at the storm. When you got peace get all frazzled by the stuff that everybody else getting frazzled about. You see the stuff on the news, you see the gas, oh, gas went up again, so. <laughs> gas didn't make me, gas didn't save me, gas can't feed me, gas can't do nothing, like I don't need gas to live, I need Jesus. I mean, I just got a piece about stuff. I serve the God that does not get surprised by the storm. He sleeps through it. I started getting more like faith and like in, in, in who God has called me to be. So now even when I get on airplanes, like when I was younger, I used to worry about like planes crashing. I just did. You know, it's like, yo, this is. This is like tons. How, how, are, how, is, how is something that weighs thousands of tons flying in the air? It just didn't make sense to me, you know? And now when I get on the plane, I don't even worry about it. You know what I do when I get on the plane? I sleep. Because you know what I tell myself? The Spirit of God is living in me. And God's got so much left to do in me, this plane ain't going down because I'm on it. But I ain't got confidence in me. I got confidence in Jesus in me. Because Jesus is feel turbulent you good I'm good too I'm not worried about the storms of life I can sleep through the storms because I have peace like if God ain't worried about your situation why are you but after peace there's patience peaceful people are very patient they're very patient like when you're a patient you're just not anxious about anything and it reminds me of what Philippians 4 Six that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition or supplication and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Like you have to have patience when you pray because I found time and time again, most of the time, the reason my prayers don't get answered is because I'm not patient. Half the time, it's not even about what you pray. It's about the consistency in which you pray it. Sometimes God wants to see if you're going to give up or not. You got to be patient because what you're praying for, is it on your time or God's time? If you're really praying, God, not my will, let your will be done, then you know that you are not just praying to make requests. What you are actually doing when you are praying is asking God to change your heart. You're asking God, God, let what you want become what I want. Because if it's what you want, then there's no amount, there is not any amount of time that I won't be willing to wait for what you want to give me. God will make you pay. Like you, you see, God, give me patience. Okay, go ahead, pray for that if you want to. 
God's going to give you everything on the plate. He's going to allow everything on hell and earth to come at you to prove that he's given you the patience that you've prayed for. So that's what it is. That's why I'm like, God, not my will, your will. I don't pray for those things like patience. I just pray that God turns my heart more like his. Because then I'll be able to rest when everything else is restless. I'll be patient as I pray. And there's kindness. And you know, patient people are some of the kindest people I know. Like there's times when I'm out. And because my mom and daddy trained me, right? If I get to the door before you and I see you coming, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold it. Just the right thing to do. It's kind. Now, the thing about kindness is a sidebar. Don't you hate when you hold the door? And one, they take forever. Like you sitting there like this. And they like this. I'm like, they one, take forever. Or two, when you like this, they walk past you like this. Lord's still working on me, so because I'm petty. When they do this, I'll be like, you're welcome! God's still working on my kindness. Because the kind person, the kind person is kind even when they didn't get the response they were looking for. Doesn't matter what people are doing. You're not kind because people did what you wanted them to do. You're kind because that's just who you are. You're kind because the world needs more kindness. The world has way too much pettiness. And I'm part of the problem. God, pray for me. The world needs more people that are kind. But then there's goodness. Never met a good person that wasn't kind. It's those people that they go out of their way to do nice things for others just because it is really the right thing to do. There are people that are ruled by their own selfish desires. They're not considerate. But then there's those people that constantly consider others. But they're, they're, they're governed by the spirit. Because once again, I, I told you, in the flesh, we are not good. But there is goodness in us, in our spirit. So it's those people that really allow the spirit to govern them, to lead them towards what God is calling them to do. And, and here's the truth. They'll do the right thing, and it may not always be recognized by man, but your goodness will be recognized by God. Because God knows. So I love verses like Matthew 6, 3 through 4 says, but when you give to the poor, that's a good thing to do. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be seen in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, when you're truly trying to do the right thing, you don't care about who sees it. When you're truly trying to be good, see, if you want to be good for yourself, you're looking for recognition. When you want to be good for God, you don't care who knows because you know he knows. Bank could come up because I'm almost there. Then there's faithfulness. Faithful people are people that are constantly doing good. Because they're, they're faithful. They're fa like, faithfulness is like, you're, you're, you're committed to it. So you're, con you're consistent in it. They're loyal to the cause of Christ. 
not deterred by what's popular. They're not just jumping on the wave. They're doing what's right because it's right. They're faithful to the cause no matter what people are saying. When people come against the church, you still here. You show up. You're bold. You're proud because you're faithful. You're faithful to it. There's conviction in it. They don't live a life of convenience. They live a life of conviction. Like I watched my mom my whole life be faithful. Faithful to Christ when it didn't make sense to. When she had cancer, when her world was flipped upside down and we didn't know if she was going to make it, man, she stayed faithful. God's going to heal me. That's faithful. When everybody says no, but you know God says yes and you stick to that, that's faithfulness. We here over two, almost three decades now later, and she has been healed, and there is no talk of cancer in her system at all because she stayed faithful to the God that she knew would heal her even when everybody said he wouldn't. That's faithfulness. And if you're in this room and you're going through that, if he did it for her, he can do it for you. Be faithful. But then there's gentleness. Faithfulness to God will cause you to be more gentle with people. You know why? Because when you're faithful to God long enough, something starts to happen to your heart. Your heart of, of stone turns into a heart of flesh. The longer I'm with God, the prayer that I pray every day, which is why I've turned into a 40-year-old crybaby, is God, break my heart for what breaks yours. I'm faithful to it. I'm faithful to that prayer, and I feel my heart just getting softened. For people. I hate to see people in bad situations. And I feel like I can't do anything about it because I know that God always wants to do something about it. And I know I can't do everything, but I know I can do something. So my heart begins to break. There's a gentle... See, when you're committed to God, you're mindful of the way that you treat others. It makes you more gentle. Like, man, some of us have been in this faith so long, and, and if I could be honest, this is an issue with the capital C church because we got it mixed up. People think the longer they are with God, the harder they should be on sinners. It's like we got more judgmental the longer we're in this because we think we figured something out. When in actuality, the ones of us that have known the longest should be the most gentle. Because we know what it took for God to change us. And we know that God is still working on us. So we should never point the finger. Because what if God treated us the way that we treat them? It is out of an awareness of forgiveness that you are even able to forgive others. It is out of an awareness of love, because love was initiated by God, not you, that you should be able to love others. So over time, the longer you know Jesus, the longer you operate in the fruits of the Spirit, you should, in essence, become more gentle with people. That's why my heart breaks for people that don't know Jesus. Because when I look at them, I see who I used to be. A person without purpose, a person without hope, that's one of the saddest things to see. Your heart should break for them. And you should become more gentle. That's why Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said to himself, 
Blessed are the meek, the gentle. They will inherit the earth. God blesses people that are mindful of how delicate we are with his other children. Blesses you for being delicate with his so loved creation. Here's the last one, the self-control. Can I tell you? You'll never be gentle to people without self-control. And here's the truth. Not only will you not be gentle without self-control, you won't be faithful, you won't be good, you won't be kind, you won't be patient, you won't have peace, and you definitely won't have joy. Not without self-control. You see, human beings are a whirlwind of emotions and Without self-control, we can easily fall and fail to our flesh, leaving ourselves susceptible to condemnation and judgment. So if love is the great initiator of the fruit, then self-control is the governor. It is the manager. It helps us keep all these things in check and use them properly for God's glory. Because the truth is, we need self-control every day. You need self-control when your billing statement is larger than your banking statement. You need self-control with the person that you was faithful to and you've been seeing them, they seeing someone else. You need self-control when that family member or that friend that you love turns their back on you. You need self-control when you get diagnosed with a sickness that the doctors say can't be healed. And truth be told, even if it could be healed, you ain't got the finances or the insurance to pay for it. You need self-control when your marriage is falling apart and you want to leave, but you know God is calling you to stay. You need self-control when them beautiful babies grow up, they turn into te teenagers and you want to body slam them. That woke somebody up. You need self-control when you're at that job and you're trying to show up on time. You're trying to be there early, stay late. You're trying to learn. You're trying to have integrity. You're trying to do the right thing, but you just got this manager that's just lording his power over you. And you want to call him everything but a child of God. You need self-control. Why? Because when you show self-control in any situation, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. If love is the initiator. Self-control is the governor. Because at the end of the day, the gifts and the fruits, they were never about us. They were all about pointing back to him. We can use our gifts and gain accolades, but when we operate in the fruit, God gets the glory. Because people are going to want to know why you love so much why you got so much joy where you get that patience from why you so gentle 
I can't believe, like, you're the kindest person I know. And let me tell you what, man, you got some real self-control. Where do you get that from? And you know what you get when they do that? You get an opportunity to tell them the source. You may operate in the fruit, but you only have the fruit because you're connected to the tree. Matt, I can't give it to him better than that. I think they want me to hoot and holler, but that, that, that won't help you get the message any better. Have all the gifts you want. You know why people like gifts more than fruit? Because gifts point to you. See what I did? You don't want, but you don't want fruit. Because fruit never points to you. Fruit always points to the tree. Ah! So you can continue to live by the law, but you will be judged by it. You say, man, that don't sound like grace. No, it sounds like truth. But today you have an opportunity. Here's the grace to not live by the law. You can live above it. You can live above it through the fruit of the Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit. Because the truth is, the flesh is always guilty. Without the Spirit of God living on the inside of me, I am guilty. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God, there is eternal separation awaiting me without the fruit of the Spirit. If you continue to operate on the level of the law, you will be subject to its judgment. But I'm here today to tell you the good news that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have to live at the level of the law. You can live above it by the fruit of the Spirit. For Jesus Christ came. He lived. He loved. He died. He rose again. He sent His Spirit to remind you of who He is so that you can operate until He comes back with His character the fruit of the Spirit. The person looking for hope today, the law says you're guilty, but the fruit sets you free. For 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells me that God made him who knew no sin become sin for us so that in him, not in me, in him we will become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is that saying? Jesus Christ dies on the cross to cover you and fill you with his spirit so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? The fruit of the Spirit, His righteousness, His character, if you accept Him, is all on you. And the only reason you have access 
access to his character is because he was the perfect sacrifice that died on your cross because he knew that your character and my character was not enough. So he says, I got to put all of who I am into them so that God sees them. He doesn't see them. He doesn't see their flesh. He sees their spirit. And when he sees their spirit, he will realize that the spirit of God is living on the inside of them. So if the fruit is in them, it's going to come out of them in Jesus' name. Why is it called fruit? Because fruit lets you know what it is when you squeeze it. If I had an orange and I squeezed it up here, guess what would come out? Orange juice. Had an apple and I squeezed it, what would come out? Apple juice. If the fruit of the Spirit, if the fruit of Christ is in you, when you get squeezed by life, ask yourself, what's coming out of you? Today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I'm getting squeezed left and right. But if I can be honest, Christ is not coming out. It's not. I come offering hope today. Because here's the truth. Life will continue to squeeze you. I'm not offering a, a false message today that if you accept Jesus, you will never get squeezed again. That is false doctrine. Life will continue to squeeze you. But won't you feel better if you get squeezed and you know that Christ's character comes out of you instead of curses, instead of death? When I get squeezed by life, I want life to come out of me. I don't want death to come out of me. How do I get that? The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, his spirit lives in you and his character will begin to come out of you. If you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you have never accepted him. Maybe you have, but you've been running. You, 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 you just being honest. You're like, Pastor, I ain't gonna lie, man. Like, I kind of did that Jesus thing, but like, if I can be honest, you squeeze me right now, Jesus definitely ain't coming out. I need to re-up on that. Yeah, I need, I, need, I, need to get, I need to get reconnected. I love that Jesus calls himself the vine. So many gardening metaphors in the Bible. But he says, if I could paraphrase, you must be connected to the vine if you want to live. You cannot, you cannot produce the fruit if you are not connected to the vine. And today... On this simple altar call, if you need to reconnect to the vine, if you need to reconnect to the tree that is called Jesus, I promise you, if you are connected to him, you will display his fruit. If you want Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've either never said it or you want to get reconnected to him. On the count of three, please don't worry about what your neighbor's doing because they can't make this decision for you. 
Don't be too cool and not raise your hand and stay disconnected from the vine. Go out, get squeezed, and be mad that you're not displaying the right character. Because the person you sit next to that you're worried about if they see you, you can stay connected to them all you want to. They can't give you life. Only Jesus can. You got to be connected to him. On the count of three, you need Jesus. Don't be scared. I've, I've done this more times than I can remember. And eventually it's stuck. Count of three, you need Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hold it up high. Be bold about it. I see you and you and you and you, 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 you. I said all those yous. Keep it up because I want you to know you're not alone. Here's the fun part. If your hand's up, stand up. Don't be scared. You don't came this far. If your hand's up, stand up. Come on. Right now. 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 Hands up, stand up. Oh, my God. Wow, that's bold. Hey. Everybody already looking at you anyway. And here's the thing, it's not embarrassing because you're around family. If you said that and you standing up right now, just come down to the altar. Let me pray with you. Come on, come now. Come, 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 come. They already see you. So just come. Just come. I want to pray with you. Jesus says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you in front of my father. Don't be ashamed. Come, come. God's been waiting for you your whole life. Some of y'all, he's so excited you came back home. Everybody in this place standing. I'm so proud of y'all. You know the craziest thing that happens to me every time I get to an altar and I look at people and people come from different places and I always think, whose prayers got them here? Come on, hallelujah. People praying for some of y'all forever. Yeah. Some I know and some I don't. Say, ah, they bold. I can't do that, Pastor. We're family. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you want to do that and you're scared, I'll go with you. And if they say, yeah, grab my hand and walk them down. You ain't got to do it by yourself. Just do it right now. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure we all go into heaven. If the world ends as soon as we walk out this door, we're going to start the party. We're going to be the ones that start the party in heaven, okay? So I just want to make sure. I want to make sure. Say, I'm scared. I'll go with you. Just grab my hand and walk them down right now. Right now. Right now. I just want to see. Five, four. There he is. I knew it. Holy Spirit's never wrong. It's like, I don't need no hand. I come down by myself. I'm a grown man. I got you. Bless you. Bless you. Everybody reach your hands towards them. Oh, we got more? Come on. Don't wait on you. God's been waiting on you your whole life, so I'll wait. Sorry. Sorry. Proud of you. Proud of you. Proud of you. I'm looking at you. I'm proud of you. It's like, you don't know me. That's how I am proud of you because God is. 
Oh, man. Reach your hands towards them. Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you're safe. You don't have to know all the Bible I know. You don't have to know, like, it'll help you. But you just got to confess and believe. Believe it. Here's what I don't want to happen. You walk out of this place and you think all this is just a lie. And you don't operate in the fruit that is living in you. We haven't even said the prayer yet, but Jesus, more than your hand, he sees your heart. He's like, ooh, that's somebody I'm going to let my spirit breathe on. Ooh, that, that, that person was willing. I saw their heart before they ever left their chair. I'm going to let my spirit breathe on them. Maybe you want to raise your hands if you're, if you're at this altar. It's the universal sign of surrender. You tried it your way. It didn't work. Try it God's way. Reach your hands towards them. If you're online, I promise you that God can navigate the enters of net and get directly to your heart. I promise you we can. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. You say it, mean it. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But I admit it. But I admit it. Today, Today I, lay I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. Take it, I, pray. I, don't I don't want it anymore. I reach the heaven, reach the heaven. to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. See that sign? It says, welcome to the family. I tell you, boy, I'm from Carroll City. I got hands. I got a gift for you. I want to make sure you get this. There's a Bible in here. There's like a WWJD bracelet, a message from me and Pastor Joanne. So a little thank you gift. Um, that's what happens when you come to parties. You get, you get gifts. There's a party happening in heaven for you and for you and for you and for you. And I can't open up the ceiling and show you what heaven's doing. I can't help you hear what it sounds like, though. Listen, we cheer really loud when the Miami Heat made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But that will not touch the cheers that are happening for you in heaven right now. So I can't show you, but they gonna help you hear what it sounds like. You ready? On the count of three, they gonna cheer. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna turn that way, walk and follow family so you can get the gift. Family, they're not being raptured. They're just going to the courtyard. We're giving them a gift. You'll find them at the party, amen? So y'all hear me? On the count of three, they're going to cheer. Y'all going to walk. Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know God loves them. Let them know their sons and daughters. Let them know the fruit of the Spirit is in them. Because it's in them, it's going to come out of them. In the name of Jesus, worship Him. Because that's what heaven's doing. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, 
please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.